0: Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. So as you may detect, I do a tremendous amount of research for the interviews that I feature here on this podcast. And from time to time, I feel compelled to record extemporaneous videos that consolidate some of my research into little lighthearted packets of fun and information. So today's episode features the audio from such a video. Addressing the various roles of the mitochondria. Yes, they are the power plants of our cells, but oh, they do so much more. I delve into our developmental co-evolution with these jellybean-shaped organelles, how they dysfunction, and what we can do to upregulate their functionality. Now, if you're interested in health and physiology, and certainly there's every reason to be, then I highly encourage you to check out our commune course platform where you will find integrative and functional medicine based programs with fantastic doctors like Sarah Godfrey, Kara Fitzgerald, and Mark Hyman on topics such as gut health, longevity, immunity, hormone balancing, Ayurveda, and nutrition. And you can sign up for 14 days of free all access, including more than a hundred courses on health, spirituality, personal growth, and social impact. Just go to onecommune.com slash trial. And please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher. In fact, if you screenshot your review and send it to support at onecommune.com, we will gift you a month of Commune membership for free. Pretty, pretty cool. Lastly, if you prefer video, You can watch this episode titled The Unexpected Magic of Mitochondria and others on the Commune YouTube channel. Okay. Without further delay, here's today's episode titled The Magic of Mitochondria.
1: The topic for today is mitochondria. These 0.5 micrometer in diameter organelles that animate all of life. Uh, in fact, this very video is made possible by the mitochondria, uh, without whom uh, I would not be able to have a thought or, or move my lips because it is at the mitochondrial level that there is the production of energy, of adenosine triphosphate, that animates every single thing that you do and, um, and that I do. So, yes, it is true that the mitochondria are the power plants of the cell, that there's a metabolic function there is, uh, the place, uh, that hosts the tryst between oxygen and the byproducts of glucose, pyruvic acid, uh, in this, uh, great, uh, efflorescence and creation of energy, uh, through the Krebs cycle and more prominently through the transport chain um, that then produces all this ATP that allows us to be here with each other right now. But there are many other roles to the mitochondria. They wear different cloaks of identity. One of them is the management and the production of reactive oxygen species. You might know them as free radicals. No, they're not Kidbees loitering outside your house. There are uh, cells that are hyperactive because they have an extra electron hanging out um, and they can cause a lot of oxidative stress and damage to the cell and then that can result in inflammation and that's not a good thing. Fortunately, there's a yin to every yang and um, the mitochondria also produce antioxidants. You might have heard cyan, also melatonin which is not just a sleep-inducing hormone. It's also a very, very powerful uh, antioxidant. And these antioxidants uh, neuter the impacts of uh, free radicals or reactive oxygen species. Um, mitochondria also regulate gene expression. There's also a bidirectional relationship with the production of neurotransmitters like serotonin, which is a mood regulator. Uh, let's see, mitochondria is also an ion pump So um, it helps regulate uh, the flow of calcium such that neurons can communicate uh, with one another. Mitochondria also plays a role in apoptosis or cell death, which is um, actually quite important. When a cell becomes dysfunctional, you want it to die off. You don't want it to run around town wreaking havoc. So as I mentioned here, the roles of mitochondria are uh, multifarious. Now, there is a curious history um, to mitochondria that goes back some time, even uh, before Biden, if you can imagine anything that old, um, uh, old um, <laughs> uh, like 2.5 billion years ago, uh, when we would not be able to exist in this world because it was very anaerobic. And what I mean by that is that there was not a lot of oxygen in the atmosphere. So right now, I would say, hmm, there's about uh, 21% of the atmosphere is oxygen, I believe, back then. Very, very, very minute. And any oxygen that would enter the atmosphere would get oxidized by iron on the top of the sea and go down the bottom of the ocean. But eventually, there are these blue-green algae, blue and green, they were called cyanobacteria. And they developed photosynthetic capabilities, the ability to take sun in combination um, with carbon dioxide and water uh, to produce chemical energy. And the byproduct of that is oxygen. So this cyanobacteria gave rise to plant life and uh, the world started to become more aerobic. And nature uh, evolved and adapted, as it is apt to do, um, and produced uh, bacterium, that could thrive in aerobic conditions. And this was this uh, curious purple bacteria. Uh, supposedly it was purple. And um, this uh, purple bacteria was engulfed by another prokaryote um, known as an archaea. But uh, this um, mighty uh, purple bacteria resisted uh, digestion the same way red meat generally um, resists digestion when I try to eat it says, oh, I'm not going down there to be metabolized. Um, And uh, and, uh, what occurred was this endosymbiotic relationship that then became um, the mitochondria. So isn't it fascinating that uh, the source of all energy within human life actually goes back to uh, this strange tryst between a bacteria and an archaea. So um, this cell really changed... um, life as we know it on planet earth because it gave rise to complex life and eventually uh landed itself into animal life insects vivians and invertebrates and vertebrates and eventually manholes and, and here we are with you know two to three hundred of these mitochondria in all of our cells except red blood cells. we'll leave those out and then there's a higher concentration of these mitochondria in certain cells that are more, um, energy, uh, reliant. So, uh, neurons, but particularly cardiac, um, muscles in your heart, where you have a tremendous amount of mitochondria and you know, your musculature requires, mitochondria, um, too. And, uh, I think mitochondria makes up some 10% of your overall body weight and somehow produces a hundred pounds of ATP per day. Except I don't know where all that weight goes, but this is what I Him told. (laughs) So eventually your um, mitochondria began to dysfunction. Now, that is somewhat a product of age, um, but it can also be um, in relation to poor lifestyle habits. So, you know, poor sleep or a lot of stress or bad. Uh, diet full of refined sugars and refined grains and ultra processed foods. And we can totally understand that, uh, at a metabolic level, because we know that stress and lack of good sleep and poor diet feed, uh, insulin resistance, which then degrades the ability for mitochondria to efficiently produce the energy that we need. And of course, energy is awfully important. In fact, on the philosophical level, you could say that all we are is animated information, our genetics, our epigenetics, and any knowledge I've been able to accrue in this brain is animated uh, for a certain period of time, until I die, uh, by ATP. And I'm just a a link in this continuous chain of energy transfer. and eventually my body will decay, hopefully provide energy for some other life. But in the meantime, (laughs) I want to keep my mitochondria in tip top shape. And there are a variety of ways to do that. And a number of processes that are involved in that one is mitophagy. So you might've heard of autophagy, which is the breakdown of dysfunctional cells into their amino acid building blocks, such that the body can then uh, use those building blocks for the creation of new proteins. Well, Mitophagy is the breakdown of dysfunctional mitochondria. And that's important because you don't want a lot of dysfunctional mitochondria in your cells. So you want to find ways to stimulate mitophagy. The other one is mitobiogenesis. So the creation of new mitochondria within your cell. And then of course, the last one is to keep insulin sensitivity high. Uh, such that your cells can readily accept glucose and free fatty acids, ketones uh, for the production of energy at the mitochondrial level. So what can you do to upregulate the functionality of your mitochondria? Well, fasting is one big one. And um, I have talked a lot about the adoption of the 16-8 intermittent fasting protocol, in which I consolidate the consumption of all my food into an 8-hour window, but there are other fasting protocols. But fasting stimulates certain cellular pathways that uh, activate the process of autophagy, mitophagy, and mitobiogenesis. There is also considerable mounting evidence that the ketogenic diet um, can help uh, stimulate mitophagy and, and autophagy, particularly if done in combination with intermittent fasting. Now, there are also phytochemicals and phyto compounds that seem to have a very, very positive impact on your mitochondria. So there are what are known as polyphenols that exist within plants. They're often, um, developed in plants as part of the plant's immune system in some ways in response to environmental stressors. Um, the one class of polyphenols is known as ellagitannins. They exist in pomegranates, mostly in that kind of white pulpy part of pomegranates. Um, also in raspberries and in walnuts and pecans. Um, they may exist some other places as well, but those are the ones that I'm familiar with. And these uh, when consumed, enter your digestive system, and some of those macronutrients associated with those foods are absorbed into the bloodstream, but some of them make it down into your colon, um, where your... Gut bacteria reside. And there are certain strains of gut bacteria, of gut bacteria, that conspire to metabolize these elagitanins and then produce a metabolite or a postbiotic known as urolithin A. Now, there's been a lot of talk about urolithin A uh, recently in health circles. And this particular compound is been shown now through clinical trials to upregulate mitochondrial function, particularly through stimulating mitophagy, and then to some degree, mitobiogenesis. So again, the breakdown of dysfunctional mitochondria and the creation of new mitochondria at the cellular level. So, this is a little primer into mitochondria. Its history, all of the different roles it plays, how it can become dysfunctional, and some of the things that we can do to upregulate its function. We can get good sleep. We can adopt a healthy diet. We can exercise. And then, you know, we can eat certain foods and take certain supplements um, that have an upregulatory impact on the functionality of the mitochondria so i go uh deep into this topic with dr chris Rinch, uh on the commune podcast he is the ceo of a company that produces a um, uh, urolithin a product called mitopure and uh, i go deep into all of the labyrinths of the mitochondria with Dr.
0: Rinch on the comedy podcast. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. Feel free to shoot me an email with comments, questions, and criticism of the constructive variety at K at onecommune.com and please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review if you are so inclined. That's all from the Commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno and I am here for you.